Go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians chapter 1. Uh, I, the subject of today, I'd been talking a couple, a couple Wednesdays ago when I was speaking, so that's been a while, uh, talked about how only God can define us. Today we're going to continue with that and talk a little bit about comparison. So we'll, we'll, we'll get more into that in a little bit. But in, in Galatians chapter 1, if you would turn there, that would be good. We're going to read about Paul in a minute. Um, when, when, uh, I was, when I was at Rama as a student, I went down there. I was actually in Tulsa for 19, 18 years. And, uh, and uh, I, I was very involved in leadership in children's ministry and did a lot of different things. And it was... It was exciting for me, but I, I loved being a part of that. I was just blessed and honored to be a part of that back in, in those days. And so in, in, uh, in the course of time, on a, on a Monday in my own life, uh, the Lord spoke to me in words, and he, he said, it's going to be a big week. I want you to fast. I had absolutely no idea what that meant. And, and you can understand from a human point of view, you start doing things like, is that a big good week, big bad week, kind of week might that be, I really didn't know it was going to be a good thing, but, but you don't know, and so, so I, I was like, all right, Lord, that's, that's great, and I did, I did what he wanted, and on Thursday, uh, they, they reached out to me, uh, the, the church, and then Friday, we actually had a meeting, and they offered me the job of children's pastor. Well, can I just tell you that while I was kind of blown away by that and very honored by that, I was also instantly started comparing myself to the people that I worked with and the people that I'd worked under and the pastors there and, and the other staff. And that meant I'd be teaching at the training center and I was comparing myself to them. And I can tell you this, without a doubt, had God not spoken to me on Monday and told me this was coming, I would have said no because I didn't feel qualified and I didn't feel like I measured up to what those other people were and what those other people did. And I would have missed the plan of God completely because of my view of me. In, in Galatians chapter 1, are you there? If you are, you're ahead of me because I am not there. <laughs> my Bible is open to Nehemiah. That is not quite the same thing as Galatians. Galatians chapter 1, let's start with verse 13. Here's Paul writing. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Well, that's true. He murdered people. They stoned him. He was going from city to city arresting people, throwing them in prison because they followed Jesus. We don't have it that rough here in America, do we? And, uh, and Paul Verse 14, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. Verse 15, but when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and had called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. Now, now, let's just stop and look at that for a half a second. 
Go, go back a verse, would you? When God called him, and, and he said, when did God call him? Yeah, from his mother's womb. Called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. Don't you love that? I love the wording of that. You know, he's doing that in you. He's revealing his son in you. He's at work in you, all right? And, and next, though, look at this. It says, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. What that means is Paul didn't immediately go and start comparing himself to the other apostles because here he is, right? I, I, I've spent however long, Paul speaking here, so to speak, I've spent however long trying to destroy the church, trying to kill every Christian I could get my hands on, trying to throw the rest of them in jail, and, and, and yet here we have God calling him. And you guys know the story. He was, he was on his way to, to Damascus, I believe, and, and the light shone down from heaven, blinded him. He fell to the ground. The Lord spoke to him, why are you, why are you persecuting me? And, and he was converted, and then he got filled with the Holy Ghost, and he got healed from his blindness. But, but he didn't go check with the other apostles to find out what God wanted him to do. He didn't go to the other apostles to figure out how his life was supposed to look and where he was supposed to minister. See, see, that is where some of us completely mess up. Maybe you're not one of those people, and that's fine. Just get what you can out of the message. But my point is, is for those of us who have ever stopped and tried to compare what we were doing to what somebody else was doing, and it hindered us, you know what? That is not God's plan for you. Paul, out murdering and stoning people and arresting people, was called from his mother's womb to be filled with God and to take the message of Jesus Christ around the world. Now, if you'd have told him that, he would have argued with you at that moment. But when it happened, he did it, and he followed God. How many of you are following God today? Yeah, okay, so yes, we're following God together. All right, turn over. We're going we're gonna to look at a few examples of, of, of how people are, meaning us, amen? Turn over to the book of Ezra. That's a little tricky to find. But uh, see if you can find it. It's after, after Chronicles, all right? You know, it's before Psalms, yes. If you made it to Psalms, you went too far. Back up, all right? We don't go to Ezra very often. Ezra chapter 3, it's right after Chronicles. A few books before Psalms, right. Look at Ezra chapter 3, verse 8. Now, a little background on Ezra. You guys, you guys know that you know, when Israel went into the promised land, they finally asked for a king. They had a bad king. Then they had David. Then Solomon built the temple. And then if you read through Kings and Chronicles, good king, bad king, good king, bad king, bad king, bad king, good king, good king, good king, bad king, bad king, you know, just kind of on and on. But ultimately, they all disobeyed God, and God had told them, if you won't follow me, if you insist on building temples to idols and worshiping idols, I will haul you all out of Israel, and I will you will be taken captive into other nations, and I will wipe out your land, and they wouldn't. They wouldn't follow him. So, you know, Babylon came along, wiped out Israel, knocked down the wall of Jerusalem, burned the temple, and, uh, 
And then 70 years later, as God had promised through the prophet Jeremiah, 70 years later, they're coming back. They're going to build, rebuild the temple. They're going to rebuild the wall. And in Ezra, we find the team getting ready to, to lay the foundations for the new temple. All right? Now, this is, mind you, many years later. All right? So Ezra chapter 3, verse 8. Now in the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and the rest of their brothers, the priests and the Levites, and all who came from captivity to Jerusalem, began the work and appointed the Levites from 20 years and older to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Skip to verse 10. Now, when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals, to praise the Lord according to the directions of King David of Israel. They sang, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his loving kindness is upon Israel forever. And all the people shouted with a great shout. Excuse me, when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Verse 12. Yet many of the priests and Levites and heads of father's household, the old men who had seen the first temple, wept. See that? With a loud voice when the foundation of the house was laid before their eyes, while many shouted aloud with joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of joy from the sound of weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard far away. Well, why were they crying? Well, they'd seen the first temple, the massive temple, the gold walls, all the gold utensils and all the tables, everything made out of pure gold. The new temple, it was brass. It was small. It was a beginning. And, and they were comparing it. Now, mind you, they should have been rejoicing. The temple was beat. Rebuilt, And in Haggai, it tells us that the glory, God told them, the glory of the new temple would be greater than that of the old. But they were looking at it, the old men, they were looking at it and crying and sobbing because it did not measure up. It did not compare to the temple that was there before. And that's very human of us, isn't it? Hello. Yeah, it's very, very human of us to compare everything. And sometimes we don't even realize it. We compare ourselves in our life situation. If we're not very guarded against it, we can cripple our lives by constantly comparing ourselves to others. I mean, we could go on and on about this. I wish I had a different job, a different house, a different car. I wish I were married. I wish I were single. I wish I were taller or shorter. I looked like him or her. My brother was always the favorite. My sister was always spoiled. He's got it together, or she's got it together. I know they don't have any problems. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, but that's very human thinking, isn't it? Isn't it? Sure. My brother was the smart one. She has better hair than me. He works out. I wish I looked like that. He's older than me. He's younger than me. I'm fat. I'm stupid. I'm clumsy. I'm disorganized. I'm too busy. And we could go on and on all day. But all of those things are comparisons to other people. We are looking at ourselves, not looking at ourselves the way God made us, not looking at ourselves the way God called you. Point at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. <laughs> called you from your mother's womb and had a plan for you on this earth has nothing to do 
with what anybody else is doing. Now, that doesn't mean you won't work with other people, but it has absolutely zero to do with anybody else in your world. And, and for you to go to consult, you know what? Pastor Tony doesn't need you making an appointment with him to come to him and say, okay, what am I supposed to do with my life? No, 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 no. That is not his job. His job is to teach you the word and to, to, to show you the truth about God. It's your job to hear from God and figure out what you're supposed to do with it. Uh, one of my, I'm getting so far away from this, I don't know how I will ever find my way back. One of my instructors, now this is going to bother some of you, but you just have to get over yourself, okay? So, anyway, one of my instructors, his name was Doc Horton, he was an old guy, he'd been preaching all of his life, and he was, talk like this, and uh, it was interesting, but he, uh, he was hilarious, but, but he, he got so tired of people coming up to him and saying, well, the Lord told me you're supposed to do this and that. Well, you know, half, you know, 99% of the time they were just wrong. You know, they were just, you know, they loved him or they cared about him or they just wanted, you know, to, you know, you don't know what people's motivation is sometimes. So, so here's what he started doing. If they'd come up to him and say, I, I, I got a word from the Lord, he'd go, nope, wait, wait, stop. I have a word for you, which shut up. <laughs> and, and. Now, I told you that was going to bother some of y'all, but like I said, you can get over that. But, but, but he, he, here's the deal. Here's what he said to him. He goes, you know what? If God wants to talk to me, I'm available. I'm right here. He can talk to me anytime he wants to. And I don't Now, that doesn't mean that somebody might not have an encouraging word for you. I've had people have encouraging words for me. But, but my point is, is that we don't go to flesh and blood to find out what it is we're supposed to do on this planet. All right? And we certainly don't need to compare ourselves to other people. Because you know what? When we, okay, let's just take physical appearance. Okay, in Western culture, tall, dark, and handsome is, this, is the ideal for a man. Well, that, most of us don't fit that, okay? I certainly don't fit that. But, but, but the, the point isn't, it, did God make a mistake? Do you think he made a mistake? No, he didn't make a mistake. So it's a cultural thing. If you don't like the way you look, it's just a cultural thing. You know, I'm, I, I, when I was, I was uh, three, two, three, four, five, my next door neighbor was a lady. She was old as, I mean, in my mind, she was older than the hills. I don't know how old she actually was. But, but I, you know, I, I would come over there, you know, in my little shorts and my little, you know, I was just a little guy, I won't, we'd go over there, if we'd see their light on, we'd go over to their house in the morning, you know, I'm four years old, I just, my mother was a sound sleeper, I don't think she would have been very happy if she had known, but oh well, anyway, we'd go over there and, and Miss Ruth would make pancakes for us, but, 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 but she would sit there and she'd go, oh, you have the most, I mean, I glow in the dark, you understand, can you see that, um, but she'd go, you have the most beautiful porcelain skin. Now, I want you to understand, from her generation, porcelain skin was, I mean, do you, okay, you all remember the pictures of, you know, like the 1800s where you got see all the little ladies walking around with an umbrella in the sunshine because they didn't want to get tan. Now, see, we're just the opposite today. We all want to get tan, some of us, Dave, and I don't tan, really, do we? But that's okay, we're all right. See, God made us just the way he made us, and we're fine. But see, if you start comparing yourself to this other stuff, then you can start feeling bad about yourself, all right? Now, 
I, 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 we could go on and on about this, but God never intended for you to compare yourself to anybody except him. He's being revealed inside of you. And you know what? He's not critical of you. He's not frustrated with you. He, he loves you. But the enemy would love to see you living in chaos and comparison. He, he would love that. If he could just keep you distracted and keep you thinking about how you don't measure up. Now, now mind you, let's go back to just talk about Paul for a second. Paul certainly couldn't have said on that moment when he decided not to compare himself to the other apostles. You know, he had to have understood that had he tried to compare himself, he would have been in big trouble. You know, Peter and John and James, they had followed Jesus. They had lived with Jesus. They were running the church. The church had grown from, you know, a few people to thousands of people, and it was blossoming inside of Jerusalem and all over Israel. And had he tried, he'd been, okay, apostle, murderer. No, I don't think I'm quite there. Right? Right? He wouldn't have measured up. And maybe you don't measure up if you start comparing yourself to somebody else. But, but you know what? As, as we get to know God, as we love him more and more and focus more and more what matters, our, our flesh and the things of the flesh and the things of this earth are going to matter less and less and less to us. Amen. And the things of God are going to matter more and more and more to us. And as we learn to accept, love, and value ourselves as the creation of God that we actually are, and as we learn to accept and value other people, you know, we're going to be light years away from where we are right now. Turn over to John chapter 6, just one little verse that I think it's important that we look at. You know, I, I think that, that as we learn to accept each other, okay, let me back up. As we learn to stop criticizing ourselves and comparing ourselves to other people, and as we learn to stop criticizing other people and comparing them to ourselves or to other people, all the little petty squabbles and disagreements that we have and, oh, her personality and she's so pushy or he's so, you know, uh, he's so demanding of always having his own way and he thinks he's always right. And all those dumb little things that we get upset about with people just become nothing. And, and they're supposed to be nothing. All right? You know, we are the body of Christ. And we're one body in God's eyes. We, and, and as we learn to walk in peace, we, uh, we can start focusing on what really matters. And start keeping our eyes on the people who, who, need an who need encouragement, the people who aren't saved, who need to know Jesus. And, and we don't have to be so wrapped up in ourselves because that is a danger. And that's what the enemy wants. John, are you in John 6? John chapter 6, verse 63, verse says this. It says, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are full of the spirit. And life. What does the flesh count for? Hmm. And yet we pay a whole lot of attention to it, don't we? Well, we do have to ha take care of our bodies. We, you know, we get one earth suit. That's all, and uh, we have to take care of it. But I want I want you to think about this, especially if you're younger 
and, and you're discontented with who you are physically or, you know, or of any age, really. I mean, it doesn't matter, but I think younger people tend to be more concerned about stuff like that. But I want you to think about this. When you get to heaven, do you think there's any chance that you're going to be discontented? You think you're going to be unhappy with the way God made you? Do you seriously think you're going to look at one another and think they are better than you when you're in heaven? No, that, none of that's going to happen, you know? So, you know, when Jesus prayed, taught his disciples how to pray, you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what? You might as well just decide to start living that way and thinking that way right here. Because, you know what? You're going to be thinking that way someday. And, and you're not going to be comparing yourself to anybody. You're just going to be... I heard Stephen Furtick say this, and I can't quote him. I'd like to quote him. I'd like to talk like him. But, but, but that's okay. But, but he said... Here's what I do in life. Here's what I've learned to do. He said, I've learned to just work with what I've got. I'm going to work with what God gave me, you know? So instead of comparing myself to you or you or you and, 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 and think, wow, you know, I wish I was like them or I wish I could do what they do or, you know, I wish I had Sharon's gift of hospitality, you know? No, no. You know, in, instead of doing that, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna work with what I got. Hey, you know what? That that works in every area of your life. Working with what you got works in every area of your life. You know, not all of us have uh, Teresa's acting skills or singing skills. All right, that's okay. Now I've seen people. I've seen them do it. Well, if only I could sing. I just want to be on the worship team, and you can't carry a tune in a bucket, you know? So, no, that's not your gift. That's not your calling, and it probably is never going to be your gift or your calling. So get past that and move on, all right? Because, because what you're doing, if, 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 if I'm looking at this, and, and what I'm supposed to be looking at is over there, all right? You know, oh, I just, I just wish I was like Torian. I wish I, I wish I knew a lot about computers like Torian. Well, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm barking up a tree that they're, they're nothing up there, okay? That's just a waste of my time. My friend had a dog that literally wore a path in a perfect circle underneath the tree. There was nothing in the tree. There were no squirrels in the tree. They finally decided the dog was barking at the leaves. But you can, you can understand... As a human being looking at this going, that is the stupidest thing any dog ever did, barking at leaves. But we do the same thing, okay? If we are focused on what somebody else is doing or somebody else's call or somebody else's ministry instead of working with what God gave us, then we're doing the same thing. So we just need to get past all that, you know? Let me tell you, uh, you can turn there if you want, or you can just listen. 1 Peter chapter 2 says how God made you and what he's done with you and where he's put you. Verse 9, it says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, God 
is just good. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, the, the places God will take you, if you'll just follow him, he'll take you on to, to fulfill you and to, to help you accomplish everything that he put you on this earth to do. Because he gave all of us a gift. He gave all of us something to do. But, but I was surprised, actually, at how much the Bible talks about how we're not supposed to compare ourselves to other people and to other things. I, I just was so blown away when I read that passage in Galatians about Paul going, nah. He, he didn't even go talk to anybody. I love that. You know, I got nothing to tell you about what you're supposed to be doing with your life. I got nothing to tell Pastor Edwin about how he's supposed to live or what ministry he's supposed to do or how he's supposed to conduct himself. I have nothing to say about that. That's between him and God. And the way you carry your life is between you and God. And if you're trying to get somebody, no, you know, mm, I better be careful here. <laughs> I, I know people. I, I, I bless their hearts. I, I know people who go from meeting to meeting, from church to church, because there's some prophet there, or there's somebody there, and they want to get a word because they want to know what, the, oh my, you know what? That's so dangerous. Can I just tell you? That is so dangerous because God's going to talk to you in here. And if you start trying to get a word from the outside to tell you how to conduct your life or what to do, I, I can tell you right now, you're going to be in trouble. That's not the way to do it, okay? I know people, though who go from meeting to meeting, from church to church, and they are, they'll travel halfway across the country hoping to get a word from somebody about something. And, and, and I heard somebody say this one time. And I thought, dear Lord. See, don't ever say stuff like this. They said, well, I can't, I can't do what God said unless he sends an angel or, or somebody to talk to me. Hmm. Really? Really? Now, think about that for a minute. Again, we're looking for the external to come and tell us what only the Spirit of God on the inside of us can tell us. We don't, now, I'm not saying God might, he, he might confirm something to you. He's done that lots of times for me. But, but he's not going to come and tell you how to conduct your life through some prophet. That is unscriptural. And I can prove that to you if I need to, but I don't have time to go into that right now. But that's not scriptural. So don't, don't. Go to somebody else. Now, that's Old Testament. They were supposed to go to the prophet to find out what they were supposed to do. But that's not scriptural in the New Testament. So you're going to get yourself in trouble. I'm just telling you. You don't have to believe me. Are you in 1 Corinthians 12? All right. I hope, I hope you don't do what I do. Uh, I, I, I've been reading this passage of scripture since I was in elementary school. And, and I realized uh, this last week that I'd been misreading this chapter or this passage. I don't know that I can explain to you why, what I was thinking exactly. But I love the way the Holy Spirit wants to straighten things out. He'll clarify things for you about the word, about your life, about your relationships. He'll clarify it if you'll just listen to him. <clears throat> All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll start with verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so is Christ. For by one spirit we were baptized into one body. And, and so, so in God's eyes, Jesus is the head, and we're the body of Christ. All right? We're the hands, the feet, the, you know, whatever, right? We are the parts 
of the body of Christ. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. In other words, the body's not just one part, all right? Your body's not just a hand, right? Your body's not just a nose or a foot. Your body has lots of different parts. And if you look around this room, there are lots of different people in this room, and we're all a different part. But verse 15, look at that, says, If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. Now, the, the way I had looked at this previously was that, well, you know, I have a gift, and Morris has a gift, and what I really want is Morris's gift and not my gift. But that isn't what that passage says. That passage says that I look at Philip and I say, well, because I'm not a guitar player, I'm not even a part of the body. I am nothing because I like his gift and I am nothing. I'm not even a part. Well, how ridiculous is that? But, but here, here's, here's what we want to do sometimes is, is we, we like the look of somebody else's gift, all right? We think we like the look of somebody else's gift. And, and so, you know, we, we, we get to the point where we're trying to tell God what to do and, and how to do it. Now, anybody, you don't have to raise your hand and tell me you've tried that, but I'll just tell you, I've tried that, it doesn't work. Okay, it does not work at all. God is not about to change who he is and why he made me or how he made me just because I have a difference of opinion. Now, I've tried to do some certain things on my, in my own strength and on my own way, and, uh, and I, I, that wasn't a good thing. Uh, I thought, uh, quite a few years of my life, I thought I'd make a really good teacher. I like to teach. I like to teach in church. I like to teach kids in church. I always enjoyed that. So I thought, I always thought I'd make a really good school teacher. I tried doing that uh, briefly, and uh, I have to tell you, I actually hated it. That was, I'm just like, this is not, this is not for me. But I always thought that, you know, I, I'd tell God, you know, I, I'd be like, you know, I, I had a missionary friend in Africa, and he, he said, you know, if you could come over here for every summer, I, I could really use the help to coordinate some of the, the youth groups that come over and the volunteers that come. And I thought, well, if I was a school teacher, I could work nine months, and then I could be in Africa three months, and, and that'd be awesome. No, no. See, and, and then some of you know this, some of you don't. In 1984, I, I made arrangements to go to, I was going to go to the med school uh, at Iowa, at the University of Iowa, and uh, in Iowa City, and uh, and uh, I I started moving in this direction because I I had first thought I wanted to be a psychologist, and then and then I worked with a psychologist for a year or so, and decided that was never going to happen, and so I decided maybe med school would be something that, that I could do. You know, if, they t if you take a personality test, uh, you know, some of these job placement tests, you, you guys maybe don't know this, but pastors and doctors are, are right there. They're pretty much the same 
the same category. Isn't that interesting? But uh, anyway, so I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna go to med school. I had a job lined up, a place to live. I was I was you know in in Iowa. I was all set, and uh, every step in that direction. I felt worse and worse inside, and I didn't know what that was. I mean, I'd been a Christian for a long time, but I didn't know one thing about being led by the Holy Spirit. So I, I, I had no idea what was happening inside of me. All I knew is that I was getting more and more miserable because, you know, in my mind, I thought, well, I could do that job. I could do that. I could be a doctor. That'd be good, you know, and, and that wouldn't be bad income. I could, I could do that. And, and so I'm moving in that way, and it was against God's plan. And so every step was more and more and more miserable until I finally went, oh, okay. So I went, fortunately, I had a really wise pastor who knew a lot about being led by the Spirit at that time. And, and so, so he's like, well, I can tell you what's wrong. He goes, you're fighting God. He goes, you're, you're going against what he wants for you. I don't know what he wants for you, but I do know that that's not it. I'm like, oh, it was such a relief to not do that, to cancel the job and the place. It was, I, I've never felt better. I think that was, because I was, I was on the edge of making myself pretty crazy. But uh, see, but when, when we start trying to do it our own way, when we start comparing ourselves to what other people have done and how they did it, then, then we, we, uh, we get ourselves out of God's will. And we, it, you know, I think I, I, I've met people who, who wanted to be a pastor and, and that, that, you know, I, I, how do I say this? By, by the fruit of what they did, and I'm thinking of a particular guy that I know he started, I can't even tell you how many times he tried to start a church, and it never took off. Well, you know, I, I, I have to say, when you look at something like that, you have to start to wonder, well, is that really God? Because if it were God, you understand that when God tells you to do something and he leads you in a direction, this is like that verse we read out of uh, Jeremiah 29, you know, in, in the welfare, in, you know, your welfare and the city's welfare and we're all, are all going to be connected, it's going to work. You know, if, if, if God has a plan for Emily to, to do you know, to be a worship leader, when Emily goes to lead worship, it's going to be anointed and you're going to see the fruit of it. Does that make sense? And when you see somebody who's trying to do something that isn't who they are because that's what they always wanted to do and, and it's not working and then you feel for them, but you, but you watch them fail and fail and fail and you start to go, not my job to tell you what to do, not my job to be the Holy Spirit. But are you listening to him? Are you paying any attention at all to God? And, you know, I told you when I started, I would have said no to the job at Ramah, okay? I, I would have if the Lord hadn't spoken to me. But let me back up and let me tell you how hard he'd been trying. Now, for years, he'd been preparing me for that place. I'd worked with a variety of management styles. I'd learned how to run teams. I'd been teaching kids and adults. He was talking to me in the months before they offered me that position about things that I could do, ways to teach children, ways to change the children's ministry so it'd be more effective. And, and I sensed my anointing had increased, and I sensed that he was doing something inside of me, and I still would have said no 
if God hadn't talked to me because I was so busy comparing myself to other people and that I didn't measure up to those people who had gone before me. You know, we, 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 we are not the best judge of ourselves. Do you understand that? He is a better judge of you than you are of you. You have to believe that. You have to understand that because he knows you and he knows what you can do. And none of us are going to get called to do something that we can do in our own strength. He's going to call you to do something that you have to be with him and you've got to be connected with him. And not just him. We are the body of Christ. We are connected with each other. And he's going to call you to do something that it's going to take a team to do. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Being a part of a team is a great thing. But... <clears throat> We don't want to miss out, and we don't want to fail to see what God's doing in our own lives. And, and, and the other thing is, is, is this, you know, I, I remember in, in 1991 when, um, <laughs> well, back up a little further. Well, back up to 1990 when uh, the Lord told me he was sending me to Bible school but didn't tell me which one. And so I sent out applications to all these, you know, got all these applications, you know. Back then you had a mail and you didn't get a do just online, get an application. You had a mail, you know, you had to con- mail a letter to them and ask them to send you something or phone them and ask them to send you, you know, the application. So I got this pile of applications to all these different Bible schools. And uh, <clears throat> the Rama application was one of them that I'd gotten, but, but I didn't really want to go there. And that was the only one that I had any peace about. So I, I started filling out the application. And the application is, is very interesting. And it, it's, it made me mad. And I, I, I referred to it. They ask, there's a page on there. It's very interesting. They ask, have you ever been involved with? And they start out, you know, listing all these sins and questionable activities and and I thought, this is a sin checklist. This is really offensive. And I tore it up in little pieces and, and threw it away. And uh, so, so I probably missed the year I was supposed to be there. I was probably, probably supposed to have started in 1990. But, but you know, over the course of the year, I, uh, I was trying to figure out where God wanted me to go, except Rama. I was not going there. And... Uh, Eventually, he got it through to me where he, he wanted me. But, but I, I think we, we, get, we get so many things into our heads, and we get so many ideas of how things should be and what they should look like instead of just asking him. Because if we ever do that, he's always willing to tell us. Turn over to Judges chapter 6. You know, I think the, the, the fact that, that, that I had applications, I had other applications, I, I tried to fill them out. And then you start feeling so horrible on the inside that you have to stop because you're, again, trying to head in the direction that's out of his will. See, if you ever do that, your spirit's never going to line up with you. Your spirit's going to be all in turmoil because you're paying attention to something that isn't worthy of your attention. 
you're trying to go in a direction that isn't the direction God wants you to go in. It's like, it's like you know, you don't feel any peace about sin when you, when you are thinking about, oh, I could do this. That would be a wrong thing to do. You're never going to feel peace about that. You're never going to have God's blessing on that. That doesn't work that way. You know, God's blessing is not going to reside on something that's out of his will. Does that make sense? So, so but, you know, we're all very human. We'll take a look at how human Gideon is here for a moment. Uh, verse, Judges chapter 6, are you there? Now, Israel kept sinning in the book of Judges. This is after Joshua died, after Moses died, Joshua took over. After Joshua died, they just had judges occasionally. They called them judges who would rise up and kind of lead Israel. And, but Israel kept falling into idolatry and all sorts of sin. And so, so once again, Israel had fallen into sin. And because they were outside of God's protection, because they were sinning, the Midianites came in and conquered Israel. And so what the Midianites would do is they would wait till the wheat harvest was uh, uh, either, you know, just perfectly ripe. And they, they would either come and burn their fields down or else steal all the wheat. And so here we have Gideon hiding. <laughs> Well, anyway, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was at Oprah, which belonged to Joash, yeah. As the, Joash the, yeah, Abiezrite, as his son Gideon was beating out the wheat or threshing the wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. So he was hiding in a wine press, threshing out the wheat, right? The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Let's just stop there and point out that Gideon did not see himself as a valiant warrior. You understand that, right? He's hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. Yeah, not a valiant warrior. But you tell me, was he or wasn't he? Oh, yeah. The Lord said he was a valiant warrior. Trust me, he was a valiant warrior. It didn't matter what he thought about himself. He was looking at himself wrong. And, and then he said, well, you know, so he, he went straight to, well, okay, if you're from God, then Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Well, no, you abandoned the Lord. And... You got out from under his protection, and you got yourselves in trouble, but we're people, and we like to blame somebody besides ourselves, right? So, verse 14, the Lord looked at him and said, go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? <laughs> so, verse 15, so Gideon said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh. And I am the youngest in my father's house. Isn't that good? Doesn't he sound just like us? God, no. <laughs> I can't do that. You know, we, we sometimes are so busy telling God who we are and what we can do and what we can't do and what we won't do that we're missing things, missing opportunities. Have you ever done it? I have. You know, the Lord will prompt you to talk to somebody about the Lord, and you're like, mm, I don't know if I can talk to them. 
But, but, but you know what? If, if you'd just do it, you'd be shocked. Because here, here's the deal. Does he prompt you to talk to everybody? No. Right? Am I right? He doesn't prompt you to talk to every single person you run into every day, does he? So once in a blue moon, he might prompt you to talk to somebody, but you'd be like, mm. There was a guy who lived across the street from, uh, or across the highway from our farm. And, and I knew he was sick, and he was a grumpy old man. And I knew he was dying, and, and they'd set up a hospital bed and, in his, his house. And the Lord prompted me to go talk to him. I was like, oh, Lord, he's just a mean old man. I did not want to go talk to him. And the Lord's like, yeah, well, do you want him saved or not saved? I was like, well, I, I want him saved, of course. So <clears throat> in the course of time, I went over to see him. And, and you know, I, he, he knew who I was. We weren't friends or anything. He was just a grumpy man. You didn't ever talk to this man. If you ever did, you, get, you might get one or two words out of him, maybe on a good day, you know. You know, one of those, you know. Guys, you understand what I mean. You know guys, right? Okay, so, so anyway, I, I, I went over there, and, and uh, my aunt went with me, actually. And, I mean, we just literally walked across the highway. It wasn't like it was a big trek or anything. Um, I mean, their house was almost dead across the highway from us, right? So, so I went over there, and, and uh, if you'd have been there, you would have just laughed because it was so funny because we went in, and, and it was like, yeah, we just wanted to come see you. Uh, he, he's on the bed laying there. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Just checking on you to see how you're doing. And he's like, well... Yeah, you know, I'm hanging in there. So, you know, I, I just thought, well, I'm just going to go for it. I said, you know, I know, you know, you're, you're really sick. And, uh, and I just wondered that if you've ever thought about, <laughs> I can hardly say it because it makes me want to laugh. I said, have you ever thought of, has it made you think about God and heaven? He sat up in bed like he was like 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 a rocket. I mean, this old man who I thought was so weak that he couldn't move, because that is how he was acting. He sat up in bed and he goes, it sure has happened. I sure have been thinking about God. And we just had a great talk. And I, <laughs> I confirmed that he, he had received the Lord. And, you know, he, he died and went to heaven, you know, not very long after that. But you know what? You know, don't, don't just shut the Lord down. He doesn't make you, you know, he doesn't, see, he only has good things for us. That's just how he is. So, you know, sometimes we push him away and tell him, no, I can't do that. I won't do that, you know. But, but we decide we're not going to follow God's plan. We're not going to do it his way because it sounds like this or because we're judging ourselves or we're comparing ourselves, which is usually what we're doing is comparing ourselves to somebody else. Did I tell you to turn to Jeremiah? Judges. Oh, no, since Judges, I need you to turn over to Jeremiah chapter 1. Because I'm, I'm going to give you a couple examples of, uh, of people who think like you and I shouldn't think, all right? But sometimes we do. Jeremiah chapter 1, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Isaiah, Jeremiah, it's in there, somewhere after Psalms. It's a pretty big book. You should be able to find it, thumbing through it. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. 
Now the word of the, this is Jeremiah talking. The word of the Lord came to me saying, "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you." Sound familiar? Yeah, that's what God told Paul. Hello. You think it just applies to Paul and Jeremiah? No. He knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you as a prophet, <laughs> a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah, who is just like us, said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. Yeah, I can't do it, God. Sorry. And then, you know, we'll keep reading here. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth because everywhere I send you, you will go. And all that I command you, you will speak. Don't be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And then he, yeah. You know, God's just there. It's just true. Don't be afraid. He's with you, and he's going to deliver you. You know, Jeremiah didn't die like a lot of the prophets were killed by the people. But Jeremiah wasn't. Everywhere he went, the Lord took care of him. The Lord delivered him just like he promised. And even though Babylon conquered and came in and burned down the city and burned down the temple while Jeremiah was still alive, they came to him and said, Jeremiah, you, you know, you've spoken the truth. You told him to stop acting this way. You told him we were going to come and conquer. So what can we do to help you? They don't usually do that. The conquering army doesn't usually come in and try to bless somebody who they conquered. But God watched over him, amen, because that's what he does. Now, had Jeremiah decided to go talk to the people on his own, he probably would have wound up dead like most of the prophets did, and it wouldn't have worked. But God called him and promised him and took care of him, all right? You guys remember Moses? We won't go there if you want to put it in your notes, and it's in Exodus chapters 3 and 4. But Moses was, he killed a guy in Egypt, and then they found out about it, so he fled to the desert. And then, so he was 40 years old when he killed the guy. He wasn't some, you know, some hot-tempered, you know, 22-year-old. He was a 40-year-old man, and he killed the guy and then fled to the desert. And then he was in the desert 40 years. At the end of the 40 years, he's out there taking care of the sheep, and he sees a bush that's burning, but the bush isn't disappearing burning. It just keeps burning. And it kept burning. He walked all the way over to it, and he kept burning and burning and burning. And, and so the Lord spoke to him and told him, you know, that, that, uh, that he wanted Moses to go to Pharaoh and take the people of Israel, free them from slavery, and bring them into the promised land. And you can imagine, Moses is like, <clears throat> um, who am I, and, and who am I going to tell them sent me to do this? And then it's like, what if they won't believe me? What if they won't listen to me? And God's answering all of his questions, just telling him, well, this and this. And then I'll, I'll read this part to you. I think this is chapter 4. Moses said to the, verse 10, the, then Moses said to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, and since you have spoken to your servant, servant, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue, 
And the Lord said to him, who is it that made man? You can tell the Lord's starting to get irritated here. Do you hear that? Who is it that made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I? And those are permissive things, but we won't go into that. Now then go, and even I will be your mouth and teach you what you are to say. <laughs> and Moses said, verse 13, please, Lord, send the message by whomever you will, meaning get somebody else to do it. No, that's what that means. Hello. Sounds like us sometimes, doesn't it? Verse 14, then the anger of the Lord burned, <laughs> of course, burned against Moses, and he said, is there not your brother, is, is, not, is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks fluently. Actually, the Hebrew there is basically says he talks a lot. <laughs> pretty funny. So God said, okay, he can be your mouthpiece, and I'll send you be the prophet, and he can be your mouthpiece. I mean Moses. Hello. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I probably have to wind down, but uh, probably five more minutes maybe, huh? You need to underline this one in your Bible if, if you haven't already done so. Verse, 1 Timothy Chapter 6, verse 6, I believe. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Do you see that? Is that good? You know what? As you seek to become more and more like Jesus, as he reveals himself in you, as Paul so eloquently stated by the Holy Spirit, as he reveals himself inside of you, you know what? You just be content. Does that mean that you stop and that you just say, you know, well, I'm good where I am. I'm not going to do anymore. No, it doesn't mean that. It means that we're just content to follow him. We're just content to walk with him. We're just content to obey him. And we're content with who we are. I'll tell you what, if you could just get happy with who you are and stop beating yourself up and comparing yourself to everybody else who you think is doing better than you, and there probably aren't, just between you and me and the wall, they probably aren't doing any better than you. Um, I, uh, I, 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 I remember... I remember the first churches I was on staff at, and I'll choose my words carefully here, but when I got to know leadership and I got to know the other staff, I realized they were just as human as me, you know? You know, my, my, my senior pastor was going through a lot, um, and, and some of the other people that were staffed there or, or volunteers there were going through things. You know, they were having marriage problems, and they were having this kind of problem, and they were, they were, one of them was, you know, in a, a relationship that wasn't healthy, and one of them uh, had been an alcoholic and had been struggling to not go back into that lifestyle again. And, and as, you, as you get to know people, as you learn more and more about who they are, you know, now I want you to think about this. Is that the time to start judging them? No, see, but that's what people do. I've, had, I've seen people do that at this church. Well, I got to know, you know, some of the people there, and I just don't like that. Really? Really? 
that's the time to start judging them. When, when you've gotten to know your pastor or you've gotten to know the leader of your team and you don't think they're quite up to snuff, really, who are you comparing them to? You know, here, here is how, I'll tell you what, here is how you get over being critical and judgmental of other people. You go home and stand in front of a mirror, okay, and, and look at that person and say, you know what, in spite of, now you may not have murdered people like Paul or thrown people in jail or thrown rocks at people and, you know, and done all the things he did, but you look at that person and say, you know what, in spite of all the things that you've ever done, God loves you like absolute crazy. And, and because he loves you so crazy, you might as well just love other people because he loves them like crazy too. And you know what? You don't need to judge them because in judging them, you are really saying you know how to fix them. You know what? I don't know one thing about how to help Lisa fix anything in her life. I bet she has something she wishes was fixed. Do you? Yeah, okay. So I was right. So because, because, because she's just like you and me. She has something in her life that she's not particularly happy with. But you know what? I wouldn't know one thing about how to fix that, nor would I really have any right to say anything about it, nor would I even want to say anything about it. You know what? That's not my business. It's God's business. It's Lisa's business. I'm going to let them work it out. And, and you know, when, when I find out that, that, you know, you're struggling in this area, I'm not going to judge you. Are you kidding me? I'm never going to judge you. You know, our pastors, you know, he's so good at this. You know, he, he meets with you. And, you know, I, 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 you know, if he meets with you and you tell him, you know, some deep, dark secret about something that's going on in your life, you know, he doesn't even, he doesn't even remember that. When he sees you the next time, he doesn't think, well, there's that bank robber. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I promise you, he doesn't do that because I've, things have come up and he'd be like, what, what do you, what, wait a minute, what are you talking about? You know, he's like, and we're like, well, don't you remember that da, 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 happened in this version? Oh, yeah. No, I'd forgotten about that. But yeah, now that you mention it, I do remember. That. See, see, that's our pastor because, because he has a heart for people. You understand that? And, and you know what? You and I can do that. You, so you tell that person in the mirror to just straighten up and just love people, all right? And, you know, you don't need to, it doesn't help you to judge anybody else. It doesn't help you to be critical of anybody. Godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Isn't that good? How many of you want great gain in your life? Well, you just be like him, and you just don't judge anybody, and you work with what you got. You work with how God made you, and you know what? The rest leave up to him. It's his business anyway, all right?